Hello and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings like to discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Chris Lavender and with me is my fellow host Keith McLeod. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be taking us through Lateralis by Two. The piece is fit. No, wait, just wait. Please. How long does this go for? It's the riff. Is that enough? That's that's plenty. Absolutely, that is plenty. That song has been in my head just 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 forever. Just forever and a day, it's been in my head, and that's cool. That's fine. Hi, everyone. Hi. Thanks for coming. Uh, we, this is Alive with Just Blethering. Um, yeah, so if you hadn't guessed, Keith was vocal karaoke-ing the Schism riff, which is probably the, the lead the lead song from this album. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's very much an in-joke. You had to be there. We think it's hilarious. If anybody else laughs, it'll be one guy that we sent that voice recording to. Let's make it a, 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 an alive or just blethering um, joke now for everyone. You're all welcome to it. Yeah. That, cool. Yeah. Hi, listeners. Welcome back. I hope everyone is doing good. Uh, if this is your first time to the pod, welcome to alive or just blethering. Yeah. So today I'm going to be covering an album that is, should I call it a bit sacred? It's... It's certainly one that is held in high regard, especially by fans of the band Tool. Well, that's what I was about to say. It's, it's certainly sacred to fans of the band. I think you're going to preface it shortly, but um, yeah, yeah. Let's let's see where that goes. Yeah, I, I just want to. I'm, I'm. I want to speak directly to the Tool fan who's clicked on this link or found it through through whatever channel. You know who you are. You're wearing the Tool T-shirt. You've got the Lateralis album artwork on your walls. You've got all the vinyls. You know everything about this album. I am not going to be telling you anything you don't already know. I am barely scratching the surface on this album. This album is still to this day showing surprises to me. And I've been listening to this album now for nigh on 20 years. This album came out on the 15th of May, 2001. Huge. It's it's over 20 years old and still surprises me every time I come to listen to it. So I want to acknowledge that it is a extremely deep and complex album. And yes, you probably know more about it than I do. So if you have any hate mail directed to at AOGB podcast on no, Instagram no. or Twitter. We talked about this. It's at Lav underscore because I don't care if you've, if Lav has missed anything. If, if there's any details that he should have got into this pod or got wrong, at Lav underscore, slide in his DMs. Let him know what, what he messed up. I can't wait to forward it all to you, Keith. I really can't. As if anyone's actually going to message you. If anyone will, <laughs> maybe it's going to be a tool yeah. fan. Uh, can't wait to speak to you. I can't wait to learn more. You know what? I, I'm open to that. I am always excited to learn more about the music that I love. And that's one of the reasons that we started this podcast in the first first place. It's something that has really opened my mind to the music that I listen to 
in my youth. And yes, some of those albums are terrible, but in this case, some of those albums are completely beyond my comprehension. And that's probably why I want to talk about Lateralis today. I mean, it's a great place to be that, like you say, it's 20 years later and you're still discovering discovering parts of this album. You're still hearing things for the first time. You're you're sort of you're picking things up. Like I think that's the sign of, of, of a great album that, that you can still listen to it so long after it's been released or for so many times and and you, you still hear stuff about it. Totally. And that's it. It's it's a really, really complex piece that still I, I again I'm going to just keep making excuses for this. I'm barely going to scratch the surface today, but I, I want to focus on the things that interest me, that I've learned about it, um, but also talk about my experiences with the album. It's it's actually brought some interesting little things that I did learn in, in my research uh, of it for this episode, but I'm bringing some things that I was already aware of prior to that with the Fibonacci stuff and uh, the actual, the, the the holy gift version, which can also be listened to. That's a, an interesting little story that I'd like to, to bring in. Well, you've 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 prefaced that that you're barely going to scratch the surface of this album. I feel like I have barely scratched the surface of this album. I I alluded, or I didn't allude. I outright said on the last episode that I only really found Tool when they came to Spotify. I was obviously very much aware of them. I just didn't really listen to them or really give them the time. I, you know, checked out a couple of tracks, Schism, for example, but I didn't really, really listen to Tool. Uh, once they came to Spotify, I very much tried to get into them and, and, and listen to them quite a lot. But in saying that, I don't think I listened to Lateralis from start to finish, as I have done in preparation for this. And I, I still feel like there's so much to, to, to listen to. Like, I, I don't really feel particularly familiar with the album. So this is going to be this is going to be interesting. Yeah. So I mean, the album pushed boundaries. That that goes without saying. And one of those boundaries was a technical one. It it yep. is it is seventy eight minutes and fifty one seconds long. Now, according to the engineers, the maximum length an album can be is seventy nine minutes. That is a physical barrier to how long a CD can be. Like an yeah, actual. That's... It's a, it's it's not a limitation of of someone saying well you'll lose quality if we go lower. It's not data in the same sense of of like a, an MP3 here. This is recorded onto a CD, and the the drummer Danny Carey made a point in in an interview that he gave them nine seconds to play with. He he gave them that little that little kind of thing just the, for the engineers to work it out. And a whole how generous a whole nine seconds absolutely it's 78 minutes and 51 seconds it is a, a a girthy album shall we say i think it's the longest album we've listened to there's we've had the hour mark before i think significant other was at least an hour but this is i still think this and it feels longer it feels like there's a lot more in here there's not the you wanted the worst like there's actual from start to finish. I think every note is utterly intentional. I think what's interesting and that is a really good way of putting it because what I would describe on some albums as as filler or segues, there are segue tracks in this album. Each track has a pair, and that's one of the little first to clue for the Fibonacci thing. So each track has its own pairing, and there is a, a at the end of or beginning of the next track there is a 
an intro track, if you will, which mm-hmm. makes, you know, initially you might think there's this boring, slow moment in between songs, but really they are so... Every single note on this album is planned, unlike other albums that we've put on where they just want to pad it out a bit. We've all, you've already said it a few times now, the, the Fibonacci sequence. Yeah. For anyone who's not that one Tool fan listening to this podcast, what if 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 perhaps people aren't familiar with uh, mathematics and the golden ratio and the Fibonacci sequence, like myself, don't make me explain what, it. What is it? Oh, oh you can, you you can't not explain it. Okay. You, it, it is integral to 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 the writing of this album. So, what is the Fibonacci sequence? So, absolute bare bones. It is it is a sequence of numbers where you take the first two numbers, you add them up to make the third number. So 1, 1, and then 1 plus 1 is 2, and then you go back, and then 1 plus 2 is 3, and then 2 plus 3 is 5, and then 3 plus 5 is 8, and 8 plus 5 is 13, and and so on. And it, it goes all the way up. Now, the first thing that, crops up in all of this is the song itself lateralis mm-hmm. is an absolute oh my god the 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 layers of this song i'll just say song is is something i, I can't even begin to to get into the so to begin with the 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 syllables it, it's really funny to watch you struggle through this so I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sweating <laughs> so the the syllables that are used um, in in the vocals are broken up. So the first, it's, it's one, one, two, three, five, eight, five, three, and then it goes back down the way, eight, five, three, two, 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 one, one, two, three, five, eight, thirteen, eight, five, three. So it's if you listen to the song again, listen to the way Maynard is singing, breaking up the the, the breath so that the gaps between the syllables. So it's black. Then white are all I see in my infancy, red and yellow. It's brilliant. I so that's just the beginning of of the mm-hmm. of the thing. The next part that I discovered is the the specific moment when he starts singing. There is a whatever minute and seconds it is. If you make that, and this is where it gets. This is when it starts stretching. You make that into decimal time it's like 1.68 something which is the golden ratio number if you were to do all that kind of business this song was originally called 987 that was its original title and that is a symbolism for the the time signatures that were being used 988878 right and and danny carey seamlessly absolutely seamlessly flows between these time signatures when when playing the song and that's just one song so if we start imagining that song effectively 13 times maybe not 13 times because like i say there are sort of ambient tracks in the middle Mm -hmm. you start to see that this album has a lot beneath the surface it's hiding a lot as a kid as a fifteen-year-old of of sixteen, by the time I would have heard this, that didn't that you didn't, didn't care. That I didn't give a fuck about that at all. Yeah, this was 
I like the song Schism. I like the grudge. I like the song Lateralis. I like the song Parabola. I liked the 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 tracks that were there standalone. Mm-hmm. Can you guess why I only had standalone tracks? Because you acquired this album through utterly legitimate means in which that meant you only could have access to individual tracks and they were the ones you downloaded. Now, the band Tool had a big, big problem with file sharing. They did not like it. They were not proponents of it. They, they were very, very much against it. They were unhappy with the negative impacts for artists that that they believe were dependent on the success of record sales like them and they just weren't happy with it which is why the album was well i believe they'd leaked i'll say inverted commas leaked the album track listing under the name sistema encephale encephale sounds latin yeah they leaked a 12-song track list with titles such as River Christ, Number Eft, and Encephalitis, Music, and Calicious. All stuff that could quite well be a Tool song title. And when people tried to search for those tracks on Napster, they would be, you know, shown the door because they didn't really exist. And it wasn't until only a month before the song, the album released that they actually released the real track list in what way do you have a dog no someone outside does right okay cool no that's fine they generally walk them about this time before bed i'm not going crazy in what way do you mean they were shown the door because like are like are you saying there was that it was just an empty track like it was just you know white noise or i don't know that it that bit i don't know all I know is that when they when they were asked to release track titles to like magazines or labels or you know for for distribute um for sort of that type of thing they knew they were basically trolling they were trolling their listeners or they were trolling the type of person who would try to look for these tracks online I almost thought you were going to say at that point that you know by showing the door they were given a virus or something and I'm like if Tool did that then fucking dick move no I don't I don't think they did anything that that kind of nasty this was just making up fake words to sort of throw people off the scent a bit and perhaps then confuse especially if you think of the way that Napster would work you were just typing in words and seeing what was coming back it was a super simple search feature Mm. so if you had Tool Sistema Enfensal or whatever it's called in the track title and you just download it and it could be just bollocks. Just the amount of crap I've downloaded in the past. Yeah. To all of our listeners, did you have the System of a Downs version of Zelda? (laughs) No. No, you never had that one? It wasn't System of a Down, believe it or not. Um, I found a lot of weird Al Yankovic stuff when I thought I was downloading the real thing. Uh yeah, so they had they had a this was their way of of trying to kind of throw people off the scent. I mean, I get that. We've talked before about Napster and downloading and the rights of artists and artists getting paid for their work and stuff like that, but I don't know, there's just a bit of a conflicting message in my head going on here that especially I, I don't know specifically that all of Tool's music 
has sort of left-leaning or, you know, anti-capitalist themes, but Maynard James Keenan was featured in Rage Against the Machine that are a very anti-capitalist band and stuff. So for them to be so... I mean, it's, 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 you can look at it two ways. One, they're fighting for the rights of artists, or two, they are, you know, very much embracing the capitalist idea and making sure that they get pay, that they get money. So there's there's sort of weird messages going on there, and and I'm not really sure which one is, is particularly true or false, I if think, either. I think as artists, they wanted reimbursed for the, the work or the, their creation. Rightfully so, as deserved. And and I think that's where they've they've gone down that argument line. They've they've said it's not about them. I mean they've they had record contracts, so they probably had some kind of expectation they had to sell so many or hit such a, a benchmark to 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 ensure that that record contract was viable. But the record contract itself was already on like shaky ground in 1997 after the release of uh, Enema. So in late 97, they, they were on. Uh, they released it through Volcano Records as they Volcano Records filed a suit against Tool, claiming the band had violated their contract by seeking or entertaining offers from other labels. Tool counter that and saying that the label had apparently failed in their duty to exercise a renewal option in their contract. So, yeah, it was a bit you know tit for tat bullshit. Right. Yeah. It was an ugly deadlock. It lasted for over a year when finally at the last minute both parties agreed to terms which included a new three record deal now that was rather than going to court the band didn't work on much however during that period not wanting it to wind up in the hands of the wrong label so that's why there was such a big gap between enema and and lateralis now right a sense history will repeat itself shortly well who knows who knows, especially with where they are with um, the, the those those two fans will understand there was a massive gap. After after Lateralis, they released an album in 2006 called 10,000 Days. And then between 2006 and 2019, there was radio silence. Well, there wasn't. Well, actually, that's probably why it's interesting is that there wasn't radio silence. There was a lot of cock teasing by the by the band on new album. The new album was apparently in the works, being written, being done. And it took 13 years for it to get released as Fear Inoculum, which was released on Volcano Entertainment again. So that's actually that's 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 weird because that's my understanding is Fear Inoculum took so long because there was label disputes that all happened before Fear Inoculum. This uh, the, the one I'm talking about was 97. This was their first dispute. Right. Well, it was their first or their last. I don't know, but it was it was certainly one that they. You know that protracted the that delayed the release of what became Lateralis. Volcano themselves, really quite an interesting label to to look back over. They were at one point owned by the Zomba Entertainment Group. Now, those keen listeners out there, Zomba were the company where uh, Jeff Blue was the vice president of A and R. Jeff Blue, our man. Father of New Metal. Godfather of New Metal. Oh, that's what we call them, yeah. So while Jeff Blue was at Zomba, he met Brad Delson when he played in a band called Zero with an X because they were cool as fuck. And uh, yeah, yeah, that ended up becoming Linkin Park. 
so yeah that's so zomba had a had a call out if you want to learn more about lincoln park's hybrid theory and uh, how how zero became hybrid uh became hybrid theory and then became or did they become hybrid zero became hybrid and then became hybrid theory and then became lincoln park well remembered have a listen to our first episode uh number one was when we covered the famous jeff blue godfather of new metal so did wait did jeff did jeff find two no or none to do with that just just same labels same same um, same like holding companies that when you start looking at the layers of these companies and who they're owned by, there's just so much to it. What we'll stick with today is that Lateralis was released by Volcano Entertainment and they had released their previous album, Anima and uh, Undertow. So this was their... But this was their third so this was their third studio album. Right. It's funny you should mention Rage Against the Machine. Do you know how they got involved with Rage Against the Machine? Well, Maynard's been involved with a few bands we've sort of covered, including Deftones. So not specifically how they got involved with Rage. So it it turns out that Tom Morello and Maynard and Adam Jones all like lived really close together in the early nineties. Cool. So yeah, that that was that's basically it. They they lived within like the sort of same region, and uh, they yeah they. That's how it all kind of came together. They were just kind of in the same music circles. Adam Jones is and was a uh, a visual effects artist at the time in the early nineties. I have heard this, yeah. Uh, and he he has some credits basically that we could only dream of. I know you said you've got an IMDb credit to your name. Maybe still not checked that. <laughs> I, I think it would pale in comparison to Adam Jones alongside directing most of Tool's videos, which for anyone who's ever seen a Tool video is just as much of a head-scratcher as the album. Um, Head-scratcher. He's he's got uh, extensive experience in the special effects world, and he's got credits in makeup and set design for films such as... There's a lot of twos in here. Predator 2. Wow. Terminator 2. Even better. I mean, working with... James Cameron. But anyway, the next one, Jurassic Park. Okay. And Steven Spielberg. Ghostbusters 2. Did he work for... Um... Industrial Light and Magic? No, that's not where I was going to go with. I was going to say Jim Henson. Oh, I don't know. I never I never went into who he was actually working for, which sort of like effects house he was with. Uh, like I say, he's, he's got the credits um, for um, makeup and set design is all I could really uh, uncover about him. Sweet. But interestingly, being the director of the tool videos, Schism. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you. I'm going to call you out on that one now. Schism actually won the Grammy for Best Metal Performance in 2002. So the, the video. The based the performance on the video? No, like the, there are Grammy Awards for performances. So Schism so- won the Best Metal Performance. Of was, it any, was it any particular performance? The video. Well, that's what I mean. So they won the award based on the video. Like, I don't know how else to explain this, Keith. <laughs> yeah, the performance of the video, which is a recording. What? The, the, they, won a, they won a Grammy for Schism, right? Let's, can, we, can we move on from this? I wish I never brought it up. 
All right. <laughs> All right. They want to grab good, me. Good, good on them. Well done. Top notch boys. Well done. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I misunderstood that. They just want to grab me. Just take it, take it and walk away with it. Um, and I'm walking. The the album itself. The album itself actually went to number one in the US. Wicked. Uh, sold over five, not surprising. Five hundred thousand copies at first, and Ooh. Uh, yeah, it's gone. I'm pretty sure it's gone like double platinum, which it's a really big album. Like they've got a big fan base. But no offense, only went double platinum. Oh, only. Oh, only double. Well, come on! If a absolute shit pile like uh, Chocolate Starfish can go what eight times platinum, I'd expect this to do a little bit better. Eh, well, it it I think it was for the type of music that it is. It's a basically I was trying to like categorize what is to are they are they metal are they rock alt rock progressive? I'd say that Lateralis is a very progressive album. It is probably the most concepty of concept albums you could ever make you know you've when the theme is a numbers sequence uh patterns in the in in the world is such a, a deep concept so yeah, yeah. A, a prog band is probably a fair sort of description it does sort of take the piss out of math rock doesn't it it's like math rock pishaw fucking here's fibonacci <laughs> yeah playing playing this sequence all in the space of nine bars Nice time signature, bro. Dagger Dan, Dan, Dagger Dan, Dan. Oh, you're milking that one, mate. Well, I mean, yeah, I am. Jesus. Uh, yeah, so it's it's one of those albums that's got a lot of interest and sort of stuff around it. And like I said, where did you find Tool? Where did I find Tool? Thank you for let's let's on. let's get on to the journey here. Where where is your experience and how did you get into the band? And 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 let's see where it took you. So formats we've discussed on this podcast in its last nine episodes: mini discs, CDs, vinyls. All of them, put them aside. I discovered Tool on a VHS cassette tape. Oh my word! This is a new one. It, on an ep, on an issue of Metal Hammer, I it came with a VHS cassette of. MTV2 videos. Wow. I never even knew they did that. Man, I hope, I really, really hope my dad's still got it. I'm going to ask him for it next time I call up. I don't know what I'll do with it. I don't think anyone's got a fucking tape player anymore. But we can put it on Instagram. I'd love to. I'd love a picture to. of the VHS. So it was MTV2 videos. And on this was the video for Stinkfist oh. from Enema. Great. And that is how I discovered Tool. I've not watched the video for Stinkfist, so what is that like? It's a Tool video. Have you watched the video <laughs> I, for Stinkfist? Do you know what it's like? Oh my god, I've, it's it's really weird. It's it, Is it like the fat grey guy? The fat grey guy? It's like rock people. Rock. Uh, yeah, that one. Okay. Whereas the schism video is like the, the white sort of people that sort of look like they're in Prometheus or from Prometheus. Yes, that's exactly what I wrote. They look like the, the, the builders from Prometheus. Yeah. Um, and then that video goes fucking Aphex Twin at the end when the when the faces combine. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, really weird. And there's like a little fucking claymation dude walking around with a face, for, with a mouth for a face. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe if Prometheus had let Tool do the soundtrack, it would have been a better film. I think if you'd let my four-year-old do the soundtrack to Prometheus, it would be a better film. Hmm. Agreed. I dislike Prometheus. It's horrendous. Thank you. Something we can finally agree on. We agree on a lot. We do. We do. All right, cards on the table. I fucking love this album. It's amazing. Yeah, finally I found one that you like. Yeah. Like it is. I mean, you know, I liked it before. I just wasn't so familiar with it. But yeah, like this album is is fan fucking tastic. Like it, it, it it's maybe the best sounding. It's hundred percent the best sounding album we've gone back and listened to. Like it is amazing. Like the levels and the mix on this album are borderline perfection. Like the the drums and the guitars and the ba- the bass, like it's so the bass, oh the bass. Like for 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 anyone who can't see what I'm doing right now, I am doing double Italian hands. Like I am doing, like I am waving double Italian hands right now because it's mwah, French kisses. Mwah, it's so like I'm blown away by by the how this album sounds. It is it is. It's great. It's so good. Well, it should because it was produced by someone we have previously covered as well. Yes. This album was produced by David Bottrell. And David Bottrell was on? The Origin of Symmetry. Fuck yeah, he was on The Origin of Symmetry. The rockier tracks, because as we discussed on our Origin of Symmetry episode, they had two producers. And sort of one was more of a space rock proggy kind of producer let me get his name up that was uh john lecky and you know he he did songs like uh oh crap now what well, kind of songs hash, hashtag always be plugging it was uh if you want to learn more about the origin of symmetry have a listen to episode six yeah and i'll actually have my notes ready for that song <laughs> yeah uh john lecky did like your space dementia and your happy music and your citizen erased and your micro cuts Whereas Bottrell did Newborn, Bliss, and Plug In Baby, you know, your heavier, rockier songs. So the fact that he's... And we mentioned that he had worked with Tool beforehand, but the fact that he's on this sort of really elevates David Bottrell in in my list of amazing producers. So with with my first experience of of Tool being Stinkfist, that was was from an album from 1996. This tape I would have got maybe in... I'm guessing it would have been from like 2000-ish before DVDs, which would have been maybe 2000 and uh, maybe a bit later in 2000. So this is what was given away for free with a magazine. So Yeah, it's probably very telling that it's it's that point where VHS was cheap enough to give away with a with a magazine. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that that's, that that's how that came up. So other other songs on that video, by the way, was the video for Spit It Out by Slipknot. Right, okay. Um, Anything else? It's the only one that really I properly remember. I think it had the video for a song by Saliva. Uh, um, okay, they were around this time, yeah. I'm I'm Not Changing, was that the song? And anyway, was, was there a Puddle of Mud episode video or was there... I really yeah. can't remember. I'd have to really look over it. But the one that stood out for me was Stinkfist because sure. I'd never heard of this band Tool. I didn't know what they were. And it was a really compelling listen when you've, when you've got a, a song like Stinkfist. And you're like, what is going on in this video? And I couldn't stop watching it because it's just so fucking weird. Yeah, that was that was my intro. 
And the next video that I saw was Schism, and I really like this. The first video I ever downloaded on Kazaa or whatever I was using at the time. Okay. Was the video for Schism. I don't I don't think I ever downloaded music. I have a weird thing with music videos. Tell and me. it's because I hate them. So that this was something my friend said at the time. He loved watching the tool videos because they were just so mesmerizing and you are watching a great bit of animation and a a great bit of filmmaking. Whereas yeah. watching a live video, watching a band live video that's then been dubbed over with the, the studio recording, that's probably like the weakest video a band could make. Yeah, yeah you have a really good point. Like you, you, the two videos I have seen are all like short movies. They're all like animated and they're, they have that, that sort of perspective to them. I suppose I, I dislike music videos because... I don't know, I'll listen to a band and I think, oh, this music's actually pretty good. And then I'll see them and I'm like, fuck, they just they just kind of look like dickheads. They don't, you know? they don't match your expectations. You've set, yeah. you've set a bar for them in your head visually and that's not what it was meant to look like. And maybe that's on me, maybe that's my fault. But like, imagine you liked a Black Veil Bride song, right? And you didn't know Doubtful, what but Black... Carry on. Imagine you did, and you didn't know what they were like. Imagine you liked an Edema song. Imagine you liked uh, whatever other band we mentioned at that time. And then you saw them, and you were just like... (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) There's there's associations and stuff, and like, yeah, like what you like at the end of the day, but you see a music video, and unlike what we're talking about with Tool, they are then like just really crappy performance pieces. They're, They're bands like trying to like fill a persona they're trying to act up they're trying to like you know we are we spoke really recently about code orange oh yeah right i do not you are i'm not a particularly big fan of code orange and from their music these guys sound like heavy as fuck very aggressive very heavy uh you know just very just out there music and I've just been seeing them on the AOGB Instagram feed recently, and they're they're shirtless and they look like a boy band. Yeah, there's, they've they've gone through an image change. Now they used to be their full name. If we're going to go into this, their full name used to be Code Orange Kids, and they were physically kids when they started the band. And they do they do look young, sure. And they've dropped that now, and they've taken on an image of this sort of industrial sort of almost new metal-esque sound, but with, with much heavier sounds. And it's, it's they've, they've, in taking that image, I can see it being alienating for someone who might not expect that. But those, those image, those image um, sort of bars that you're setting, that, that is on you because you're the one who's setting an expectation and then it not being met. They're not going out of their way to try and look, awkward or try and piss Keith off because we don't look like we sound um, I mean the only example I can really think of to that that some people might bring up is Ghost <laughs> because they <laughs> do not because when you see them they do not <laughs> fucking look like they do not make the music that I expect to come out of their, their sound they come on looking like they're going to be fucking behemoth and they sound like a I don't know, a 
fucking imagine dragons or something. I love how that's on me that code orange do not meet my expectations. But do you know what? Who doesn't? Do you know who doesn't look like they sound? Is uh, is whoever you just said there? Ghost. Who, Have you ghost. ever seen Ghost? Yes, I've seen Ghost. I so know exactly know. who you're talking about, and we've had this conversation. But still, cool. Look, look how you want to look. That's absolutely fine. But I just, I just have a thing with music videos where I'll maybe like a band, and then I'll see them, and I'm like, right, your music's still good, but just that image isn't for me. That's not an image I can get on board with. I suppose is what I'm trying to say. And again, doesn't fucking matter because, like you say, no one's, no one's there to, to influence me. Uh, apart from Ghost, apparently they're they're doing the wrong thing. Ghost, uh, don't get me started on Ghost. If we're gonna ever do, <laughs> honestly, if we're ever gonna do an April Fools episode, it's gonna be on fucking Ghost. Um, Not much of an the jokes on us if we do a full episode on Ghost, me. Oh or God. it's gonna be on you. I've already said. Or it, it might be on me. <gasps> I'm gonna do Ghost. No, you're not. I might. No, you're not. I'll call I you, might. I'm gonna call you bluff on that. No, you're not. Right, okay. <laughs> you made us do Bush, so I, I'm due you one stinker. You're gonna give me Dream Theater one day. You're gonna, you're gonna love Dream Theater. Right. You're gonna you're gonna be balls deep in prog, mate. Oh. Anyway, Can't. where where are we? Ah, oh, no idea. Um, we've lateralis. Yeah. So I mentioned at the beginning there, or some point at the beginning, that there is an alternative order to listen to this album. Now I sent this to you last week, thinking this is possibly potentially an easier way to listen to this album so the 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 way the tracks fall is it can be quite hard to sort of get into the album yeah it starts off with a the heavier song the grudge and then it moves into a a a light ambient piece and then it moves into the 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 the, uh the next tracks have them in front of me there the patient which is quite a, a a slow burn of a song and then you get another instrumental of mantra which a little bit of tidbit on a little bit of the tit for mantra a little bit of the tit it's uh the sound of uh james keenan squeezing his cat slowed down <laughs> of course it is <laughs> of course it is because that makes perfect sense uh then you get schism then you get schism dan 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 then you've got the clear sort of intro track parabol into the main track parabola the video has both songs right yes it does it's an 11 minute video thank you i thought i was losing my goddamn mind but i knew it was it was very much the same then you get uh, ticks and leeches which then leads into lateralis which is we've, we've i think i've covered that enough and then you get sort of the the ending disposition into the the final instrumental of triad and then the last song fiap de oed which is what is the most haunting fucking song due to the the choice of sound clip what does it mean uh something about the the truth of god Ah. And it is a a recording from an American coast to coast satellite radio station from 1997. Okay, it was it was off something called the Art Bell Show. So the Art Bell Show basically was in 1997. You've got to put yourself in 1997 shoes, not Infowars 2020 shoes. But it was one of those shows where people would ring up when they've seen aliens. And Art would sort of talk to them about their experience and 
whether he's had other listeners and he'd have other callers and other listeners telling him sort of similar stories. Uh, they were doing a special episode on Area 51. <laughs> and during that segment, a very upset man claiming to be an ex-Area 51 employee calls up saying it's uh, there's there's aliens among us at the moment, they're extra-dimensional beings, there are safe places the government knows we should be, but they're not doing anything about it. The government's been infiltrated. And it's, it's really convincing and extremely disturbing to listen to. So the fact that Tool would use it in an album about dimensions and all the other fucking weird shit that goes on in this album, it just makes it, like... It actually turns it into like a horror ending. As a band who were very vocal about or very vocal against downloading piracy, etc., did they pay royalties for this? I tried to find that out. That was a something I've I've searched for. As far as I can tell, it's 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 free sort of sound bites. Because I do I know another band has used that same soundbite in one of its songs. Uh, maybe Public Domain. Um, so the band The Faceless. Don't know. They used it in their second studio album called Planetary Duality. At the end of that album, the last two tracks, Planetary Duality 1 and 2, mm-hmm. part 1, the hideous revelation, is this soundbite of, of this man claiming to be the ex-Area 51 employee. Now, for those who who want to know, apparently that what got what got really fucking weird with the, that that one is that so this was a satellite radio. During that conversation, the satellite link went dead. Apparently, the satellite never goes down. Amazing. We're we're yeah. we're on it. We're on conspiracy theories. This is great. This, oh, this is exactly. we're down a rabbit hole, kids. Here we go. Yeah. So my rabbit hole. I ended up listening to some of the phone calls that get made to this fucking show um that are available on on all popular streaming sites uh, so look up the art bell show there is a a conversation a man had where he rings up not art bell but like another kind of host on the show and he keeps seeing small silver fish in urinals i mean make of it what you will the type of person that rings up to tell a fucking radio host that that's what they're seeing the radio host quite confidently tells him i think you need to go and seek help if you're seeing apparitions like that drugs are bad kids drugs are bad not endorsed not endorsed um but Mm. the the follow-up to to this man calling up the art bell show a few months later apparently he called back to say it was me i was playing a character it was it was just me being goofy i was being a, I was trying. I'm trying to learn to do different characters, and he was one of them. And he did like a small impression, and it's it's debatable whether it's the same guy or whether he's seeing it under duress. We don't know, um, or mm-hmm. just someone trying to insert themselves into the story. It's really it, it was really funny to learn about these types of radio shows in 1997, and we still have them today with with the YouTube channels, Twitch streams, people getting involved and inserting them their own sort of shit stories into things and making it fucking real yeah you don't you don't even need the radio show anymore you just have a youtube channel that's it and imagine someone like art bell would have absolutely soared in today as much as he did in 97 um 
yeah really really interesting if anyone wants to learn more about the art bell show and the type of people that were calling up give it a listen it's some some deep deep rabbit hole stuff that you can get into with that yeah cool man i love a good conspiracy theory uh, well, i mean didn't didn't trump essentially admit there was aliens and nobody gave a fuck because he's such an arsehole i i didn't i, I switched off from all that nonsense he is well, the u.s government released some footage when he was you know towards the end of his term and they were like oh yeah there's here's all this um u.s air force footage that we can't explain uh don't don't look in at my taxes. There's aliens. I'm sure that was the I'm sure that was the goal. It, it could have been it could have been just a, a fantastic diversion tactic and just all all bullshit is what is probably the easiest way when someone is as, as pathological a liar as he is, just treat every single word he says as fake. That's the easiest way to deal with it. And also, don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> do not do drugs. Uh, <laughs> the artwork, actually, speaking of drugs. Speaking of <laughs> drugs, thank you. Excellent Keith. segue. Fantastic. The artwork for Lateralis was by a gentleman uh, named Alex Gray. Alex Gray is he's, he's a visual artist, and he he basically he used to be the illustrationist for um for a medical school, mm-hmm. so he was drawing people cut in half and in in various different ways and it's sort of his if you ever if you look at the the artwork for lateralis you'll see that sort of inspiration but he made these very psychedelic colorful drawings that are quite well recognized around the world yeah that's incredibly incredibly relevant because i think because i skimmed through the videos today and i think it's at the end of parabola the uh the sort of the miniature figure i don't know if that figure is specifically carried over from um, schism, but um, yeah, that 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 character gets gets dissected, gets cut in half, and you see that that side. And I, f- I forget the word. My um, technical drawing teacher will from 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 whenever I was in school will kill me. <laughs> but that that side view, you see the the dissection. So it's interesting. You're specifically stating that that's what he drew because that's that was reflected in the videos. Yeah. So that's that is what he was into and. If you ever want to to learn a bit more about Alex Gray, there is a documentary on YouTube called DMT, the Spirit Molecule. So mm-hmm. uh, DMT, sort of similar to uh, acid or saliva, um, or sal- salvia, sorry, saliva and <laughs> salvia, it is is, is a, a a mind opening drug. And he did a he appeared in this the, the film DMT, the Spirit Molecule, where he talks about the importance of DMT and past in the past and present world i think some people describe it as the it's the the the, the dmt exists inside of your brain and the just the moments before you die it gets released and it's what gives you when when people talk about like they saw their life flash before their eyes it's apparently dmt that triggers that so taking it as a drug if you can just think about the type of mind-opening experience that is again don't do drugs kids just gonna preface that one in i'm not gonna i'd never even heard of that i didn't even know that was a thing dmt dmt so they replicate the they replicate the chemical that the brain releases just before death yes it's a psychedelic again don't do drugs kids don't do drugs (laughs) but um wow oh fuck guess who narrates dmt the spirit molecule just is it is it James Maynard Keenan? No, it's not. It's James Maynard Keenan's friend, Joe Rogan. 
Joe Rogan, yeah. as in the Joe Rogan, as in Joe, as in oh that potato-headed fuck, <laughs> Jesus. What and James Maynard Keenan is pals with him. Yes, yes. Wow. Uh, See again, just mixed signals, mixed signals here. How can you be? Do you know what James does in his spare time? Maybe not. He he runs a vineyard. He sells wine. Oh no, I have I, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that he runs a vineyard. Yeah, right. Okay, very um, very new age. Uh, <laughs> is it is is it, is it a new world wine? Uh, well, it will be if it's from America. Yeah. <laughs> I love how seriously you took that question. I don't know what a new world wine is. <laughs> Anyth- anything that's not made in Europe is new world. I mean, doesn't everyone know this? Well, maybe not. Maybe some of us just aren't as cultured, love. I did work in a five-star hotel, so I, I did learn these things. All right, mate. Nice reason. flex. Fucking flex. hell. Fucking worst job of my life. Sorry, if anyone's listening. Right. So you found Tool on a VHS. <laughs> yes. Christ, have I still not left the VHS? Jesus. Well, so anyway, kind of. Uh, a friend of mine at the time, who was the guitarist in the band that I performed in for the very first time, when I performed... If this is getting really annoying, people just let me know. It's, you know, it's anno- just messages. It's making me laugh so much. So yeah. Anyway, the guy who was the guitarist in that band, he got me to listen to more Tool, and he told me to listen to Enema, and he told me to listen to Lateralis, and then, and that was where I sort of like learned about the album. And like I say, I I learned, I I found a handful of songs so i only listened to the big songs the ones that got released schism parabola lateral lateralis and the grudge 1999 <laughs> what <laughs> so i'm just i'm just calling back to the to the fact that you'd never heard rearranged before oh, by Jesus. biscuit Drop like it, one, man. Of, Christ. one of their bigger songs you're six, like, oh, six episodes later and you're still going on about fuck. you were like oh 19, 1999 was released and i'm like what <laughs> no it wasn't i didn't know i just i just had i was just a dumb kid with an internet connection all right just leave me to and it. you did well you did well so they fucking i had these tool songs and i've just had a collection of of random tool songs on my fucking hard drive for basically a, f- a good few years and then I, I downloaded the discographies when when internet connections improved and and that was basically as far as tool went for me and it wasn't until i learned about this um this holy holy gift so it was right around the time when people were talking about the tools new album was missing in action after ten thousand days I think it was about 2013 someone came out with this idea that there is an alternative order to listen to uh, Lateralis. And mm-hmm. that order is, is referred to as the Holy Gift. Now, there are some stretches here. I'm going to, again, I know I've already prefaced the Tool fans. I'm really sorry. They're, they're making some fucking assumptions here on how okay. to, on how to structure this. So effectively, they're saying it's all in in pairs. So the word schism is is to to mean that something is split. So they're taking all the tracks. Now, because the album has 13 tracks, they believe that is an important number, and a 13 is in the Fibonacci sequence. 
So they take 13, and if you add, take all the times when you can add up the number 13 in the track list, that is the holy gift. Now, which order you put them in, anybody's fucking guess, if you're being honest. Okay. I'm, 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 I don't mean to piss on people that have done this, because it's actually... I prefer, I sometimes I prefer to listen to it in this order. And the reason for that is because it puts all the big songs right at the beginning of the album. Right, okay. Um, and it ends up leaving sort of most of the, the slower songs towards the end of the album. Um, so I mean, that sounds a little bit loaded. Do you know what I mean? As if like that might be intentional. Well, I don't know. This is This is the thing. It's people people have made this up and they so they've taken the the track pairings so they start they started parable and parabola because reasons uh so that's track six and seven six plus seven is 13 and then they go into schism and ticks and leeches which is five and eight again equals 13 now what's interesting is the the linkage between these songs Mm -hmm. even though it's in a different order it still blends beautifully. The final beat of of some of the songs leads really well into the next song. So the transition from Schism into Ticks and Leeches is one smooth drum break. Right, okay. Every two bars, the drum beat in the intro to Ticks and Leeches falls back into the same timing established in schism and these songs are are part in the album originally but then brought together in this version and that's that middle track that what is track 13 sticks in the middle because again fibonacci um and it's the only one that's standalone five to oh so you get this weird sort of haunting conversation the guy's having for area 51 and now if it sort of has this build up and then slowed and then sort of a a trail out. So if if you know anything about if you put Fibonacci into uh, an image, it it has this sort of spiraling galaxy sort of effect. Yep. Where you've got smaller, smaller, and then a big bit in the middle, and then and then and then it sort of spirals out the end. Spiral out, keep flowing. That's the lyrics in the song Lateralis. So that sort of middle being like the, the the big sort of crescendo and then it all sort of pitters out afterwards. And putting the songs in this order means you get this really fast build-up and then that little bit at the end with the grudge and then it just sort of pitters out. And it's, a, a, I suppose, a, a good way of getting the, the meat of the album at the beginning. Oh, that's interesting because I'm looking at it now and I was aware of, of, of the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio before what is the latter of this album not particularly the mathematics of it just i knew you know that like, like we're talking about like the sort of expanding spiral out i've always taken it from the sort of the tail inwards because when you're sort of when you're shaping or, or or when you're framing a photograph that's to me that's the 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 the, the subject of the photograph should be within the, the the sort of denser part of of the circle it should be in the middle bit you know you're not you're not having the photograph out to or the the, the subject out to the, the just the, the sort of thin line of of you know we'll call that the tail quote the tail mm-hmm. so i've always viewed it as the that at least the eye line should bring you in 
that that you follow the tail into the center whereas if i understand you correctly what you're saying with regards to this this version of listening to the album is that it comes from the center out to the tail yeah it's it's about spiraling out so if you take uh, when you if you want to draw the golden ratio as like a as a as a spiral you've got the squares so you have one square and then you have two squares and then you have three squares five squares so it just builds out now that is a pattern that is seen throughout nature mm-hmm. um and that's why people call it this golden ratio it's it's something that nature has accustomed itself to whether it's evolved to it or if you're going to be ancient aliens whether it was given to us is is really the way the world sort of sits and the golden ratio is really important so when you are taking a photograph if you are aware of the golden ratio you'll find times when you take a photo and it just looks better you don't know why Mm-hmm. You can't explain it because it's it's ingrained in you that things are that way because that's what looks natural. No, it's it's super interesting. I've just gave it a quick googs just because I'm like, fuck, did I just talk absolute bullshit? It wouldn't be the first time. But yeah, look, look, googling the, the the golden ratio. The, for example, they've used the Mona Lisa, and you know her nose is the, the center of of the ratio, and then it. It spirals out. Um, My favorite one. golden ratio one. If you're gonna put the if you put the golden ratio like you layer it over a picture, it layers yep. beautifully over Sonic the Hedgehog. Does it? Yes, it's perfect. That's quality. Absolutely perfect. From his nose, and then the big spiral at the back is his spike on his hair. Yeah, it's well. So I mean, that's beautiful. that's by design. It is. That's absolutely by design. It is. Artists make things to the golden ratio so that they look appealing. Things that are designed and written properly and drawn correctly look correct something that is incorrect you go down a route of like the uncanny valley this you don't know what's wrong with it there's something unbalanced yeah. about it so this album using so much of the golden ratio in its writing in its recording in its time signatures it might be the reason i might have cracked it i might have I'm, i've cracked it it's the reason i love it so much it's the reason it's so fucking good is because there's so much golden ratio in it. It's like, I was about to ask, do you think the the arrangement of the songs, that the arrangement of the album itself to that sort of core value is adds to, to the, 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 the 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 listenability of it? Like, you know, how how much do you enjoy the album? Is it based on what you hear because it's on the golden ratio? Just as I'm scrolling through um Google Someone's also taken the golden ratio and applied it to Trump. <laughs> it's a side, it's a side view, and they've essentially taken the the, the center of the spiral from his ear, Brilliant. and it just follows out over his hairpiece perfectly. Amazing! That's exactly what I want to hear. Absolutely, freaking lately. I'd say it, there's, so. There's a lot of things we can do to that. We can apply that to ourselves as humans, but it's also something that can be applied to a lot of things in nature. The golden ratio. If you want to learn more about it, give it a Google do a search and this is what the album is is sort of encouraging and the song lateralis as well as it's encouraging you to overthink and overanalyze and discover something more which is where tool fans i think get their sort of get their kicks they get encouragement when an album basically tells them to do this it tells them to overanalyze something and and find things that aren't 
in black and white, you know? Because it's not all they see. The song, you've mentioned it a few times now, and purely probably because of this of, of, of this sequence and ratio, it's, for me, it's not actually one of the stronger songs on the album. Now, maybe I am just taking it at a very base level and, and I'm not fully appreciating the sequence of it, but then... I shouldn't have to. If, if I hear it and I enjoy it or I don't, then that should be the value of the song, for me at least anyway. And I understand now from what you've said about like the sequencing of the syllables of the words and stuff like that, but in not understanding that before I heard the song, it sort of annoyed me a little bit because it, it's, it's almost as if like a child had written it. All right. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. I've... I'm just going to get the, the lyrics up for it. Feel free to fill. Is that is it going to be because of the 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 structure of the syllables, because of the the sort of staccato that that is, gets applied? Maybe it's not the structure of the syllables. It's the, you know, it's the black then white are all I see in my infancy. Red and yellow came to be, reaching out to me. Let's me see. It's it's the rhyming at the oh, end the, that to the, me the I rhyming. was just a bit like, surely surely okay. you could have done better than that, mate. Surely. Surely you're not, you know, you're just just writing a poem in like primary four. And I get it now that it's, it comes down to the sequencing of the syllables, but initially listening to it, I just wasn't really grabbed by that. And then musically throughout the song, I don't know, I think for me, there's better songs on the album. There's there's sort of more engaging, more interesting songs than Lateralis itself. Still a good song, still enjoyable, but doesn't doesn't really hold the top spot on the album for me. Okay, I I think I've I think it's one that I've come round to, given the the additional sort of information I've learned about it over the over the last few years. Definitely my my big one was Schism. I think. That had a that that was one that really drew me in, and it's one that I mean it's, a, it's almost a seven minute Schism song. Schism is listen to great. It every time. Like. From the beginning to the end, that song just it just grips, and you know maybe it is maybe it is the baseline. Maybe it's I've heard just about every bass player in the world play that baseline. You got to really get the you know what I mean. You really got to get in there. Um, the um, yeah, it just it, it's just a great song, and as is a lot of the songs in this album, it just. There's just so much in the songs. There's moments that, you know, there's just, there's vocal moments, there's just moments of guitar, there's bass drums, there's everything together, there's bloody riffs for days on this album. The drums are incredible. Just the build-up, you know, there's so, you know, a very proggy element of the album is the build-up and and how it goes from one place to another. And then generally by the end of each song, the drummer is just hitting everything and it's rapid, and it's fast, and there's double kick, and yeah. it's just fucking good. It's just, it's good. Danny Carey is is an absolute gift in this album. 100%. There's no, no denying that. Uh, the bassist, Justin Chancellor, he uh, he isn't the original tool bassist. He only joined in 1995. Prior to that was a, uh, a gentleman named Paul D'Amour. D'Amour. Guitarist <laughs> D'Amour. Oh, we've got both of them now. I had to put it that way. Uh, he was the original bassist. He is now the bassist in Ministry. Right, okay. 
as only as of like 2019, like very recently. Did he do anything in between? I don't. I didn't read that far. I literally read the blurb at the top of his Wikipedia page. Uh, but nice. one little interesting sort of link to it is: so while Tool have had these sort of long breaks in between their album releases, Maynard has been extremely busy with other bands. Uh, one of the bands he had was called Pucifer. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was just expecting a perfect circle and we got Pucifer, which I'm like, is he about to say Pussy or did he mean to say Lucifer? Nope, no, no, Pucifer. Um, I mean, the first album okay. is called V is for Vagina. Right, cool. Uh, but the, the, the bassist, in their, their touring bassist, is Paul Barker, who is the original bassist for Ministry from 1986 to 2003. So... Well, that's a nice little crossover. Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting that they've they've got like a, a link to that band, uh, to to Ministry as like you know that industrial band. But yes, he was in a perfect circle as well, um, mm-hmm. and their debut album was released prior to Lateralis. So Murder Nom came out a year before Lateralis, and I knew Perfect Circle long before I knew Tool. I was I I, I considered covering Merdinom for 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 this album for for the pod and i decided against it. it it was an album i listened to when i grew up as i was growing up it's not one i particularly loved and and stuck with me and i didn't really follow a perfect circle after that either so i didn't really feel compelled to to, to bring it to the pod but Merdinom is a good album and that's really where i knew maynard before spotify and before too yeah um again they were on volcano um initially uh, they were initially in talks to release that album with volcano um which was tools label so it's yeah clearly a perfect perfect circle i feel have got a lot of elements of tool in them as well um they they always feel like a i think it's it's wrong to compare that I, I would say it's probably not fair to compare the two because they are different bands uh very different sounds but it's it's very hard not to sometimes and i i do end up always sort of gravitating back to tool is like a just the more complete package um, am i right in thinking it's not just maynard from tool that was in a perfect circle i understood it was just maynard i thought the the rest of the band was uh, made up of other members correct me if i'm yeah. wrong no i think i think you're right i was expecting to see adam jones there but i am wrong he was not in the band uh, Perfect Circle was originally conceived by Billy Howardell, a former guitarist, Fishbone. a former guitar technician of Nine Inch Nails, The Smashing Pumpkins, Fishbone, and Tool. So yeah, he was the guitar nothing, tech. Nothing, yeah, yeah, nothing more than that. Fair it is. Yeah, so I mean, I've I've just had Tool on the always on my my rotation. Uh, they've they've been. I, I wouldn't say they ever disappeared from me because even though it took them 13 years to release a new album, it was absolutely, there was enough material that they'd already released and I would have been satisfied and now they've made a new one. I've barely even touched Fear Inoculum. I think I've listened to it maybe half a dozen, a dozen times and I really want to get myself into it. So after today's episode, I think I'm going to give Fear Inoculum and 10,000 Days a bit more time and, and step away from Lateralis given that I've listened to it probably about two dozen times this a week. In, 
a lot. Oh, a lot. That's that's what I was going to ask. Was sort of once Fear Inoculum came out, like what was your thoughts? What what did you think about it? You've you've only given it a few goes, but having waiting, so having been a Tool fan, and having waited those years for Fear Inoculum, what, what did you think? I I was prepared to be disappointed, but I was pleasantly surprised. I think any right. any band that's had a thirteen year, effectively a thirteen year hiatus, even though it wasn't, they were they were touring. Um, but what felt like thirteen years before releasing something, I, I was concerned that they're going to lose their edge. They're going to overdo it. They're going to underdo it. They're going to, you know, we're going going back to our roots. That kind of bullshit. And they didn't. They made a tool album. They made an absolutely serviceable tool album. And I, I felt sort of the same about Ten Thousand Days. It it was absolutely brilliant. It's got some great tracks on it. If if you find Lateralis a little bit too too dense. Or, or too much to bite off. Give Ten Thousand Days a shot. It's a really, really great album to get into. But yeah, I, I, Tool are one of those bands that I will continue to listen to every day, or not every day. Sorry, um, I will continue to listen to as time goes on. Much like Deftones, much like possibly Muse now, as I'm going to give them a bit more of a an insight than I'd previously given them. Have you gone back to Muse at all yet? Uh, no, I'm waiting for the release of the twenty year anniversary. Right. Uh, that's my that's going to be my i want it in full i don't i'm sick of this piecemeal i hate the the what have they done now they've done micro shame yeah they, they've released one more song off it um so we've we've got sits and erased and now they've they've released meg oh, i was about to... micro chains was it yeah i think it was micro chains well they, at least that's a song on the album megalomania oh megalomania not make oh i'm thinking dark shines and micro cuts. I just smashed two names together. My bad. So yeah, they've released they've released another single from it. So I'm waiting for the full album of of the 20 year anniversary remix. It's got two X's in it. Don't know how to pronounce it. And that's going to cool. be my my go back to that one. There are some albums we've listened to over the past um, ten weeks that I will never touch again. And there, mm-hmm. there are some that, like this one, I will come back to time and time again and find something new every time it's yeah cool man that's that, that's awesome I, I think i'm i think i'm there with you really i only really got into tool circa 2019 when when they did come onto spotify and that was just accessibility they just weren't a band i got into when i was younger i knew people that listened to them and of course i knew of the band but i was and i've said this before i was in Limp biscuit i was into uh, Papa Roach, you know, I was into uh, Linkin Park. I I, I wasn't. Tool, Tool just seemed like a band I didn't particularly want to engage in at that time, and then they just kind of fell away from me. You you know, they had that massive hiatus. They weren't really in the foreground for a lot of people. I did see they were still touring in places, but I never really was bothered to pick them up until they came to to Spotify, and I thought, well, do you know what? I've I've missed this band the first time round. I'm not gonna miss them again. Let's see what these guys are about. And yeah, even coming back to to Lateralis now, I think I'm definitely more interested to to, to give this band way more time, and even go back to Fear Inoculum and 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 get more into their back catalogue. Totally, totally. So that about wraps it up for for Lateralis. I, I know there is so much more I could go into. Um, 
about the, the the making of and everything but i really wanted to focus try and stay focused in this episode about because it's, it's like i put at the beginning it's just such a, a dense um complex album that i i couldn't do it justice in 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 an hour and hour and 15 minutes so um that's that's all i've got to say on it really Awesome, man. No, I, I really enjoy that because, as I'm literally just saying, I don't know particularly much about the band either. So to get to get more into Lateralis and understand them a little bit better has been a great trip for me. And I love the coincidence that the two, ba- the two albums that really we have both agreed on, well, no, we both agreed on Hybrid Theory as well, to be fair, but you know, David Bottrell has produced on Origin Symmetry and Lateralis. That can't be coincidence. Clearly, the guy's got something that we like to listen to. So that's uh, that's cool. Where are we? Uh, where are we? Oh, it's me. That's well, next. is it you? Next episode is our tenth episode, and we are doing something a little bit different. Is that going ahead? As far as I mean, we can just say we're, we're hoping to have a special guest on next week. We are hoping to have a special We're guest. Jumping on. ahead a little bit, we've been doing things in sort of around the 2000, 2001 era. We're going to jump ahead a few years. Mm-hmm. We've got a special guest joining us. When he comes on, he's going to talk about an album that meant something to him. But it's interestingly enough, it is one that is a big, big impact for both me and Keith. Well, that's the significance here, isn't it? We've we've identified certain bands, certain acts. That meant something to both of us, and this is how this is how we're going to approach this band. So we're trying something new. We're getting a guest in, and are we telling the listeners what we're going to listen to? I think we'll tell them what we listen to, and then we'll reveal the guest on the day. Yeah, that seems fair. Okay, well, do do, do you want the honors? It's it's technically your turn next, so and I think you should you should have it. It's going to be. Or do you want me to do it? No, I'll uh, we equally a potentially as important band to me as what incubus are we are going to cover funeral for a friend oh yeah well we are not our special guest yeah so we're going to be talking about funeral for a friend it's a special episode so we're also going we're not just going to focus on one particular album we're going to start at casually dressed and deep in conversation and we're going to probably bring in a bit of hours in there too and maybe talk a little bit about where they went after that as well but those two albums yes really big for for me at least so i'm really excited to talk about it and the fact that we're going to have a third voice in this to bring their experience and who they're involved with i just can't wait given our recent technical issues who knows how this is going to go down but i am super pumped i'm super excited to have a guest on and to talk about funeral for a friend and not just the one album we're going to we're gonna go across Faf, and we're gonna we're gonna check the boys out because I'm still upset that they broke up. I know they're coming back. We can maybe talk about this. We'll talk about, talk about this because that's that's we'll talk about this contentious issue for me. But all right, Lav, bring us right. Home. Okay, so thank you very much for listening to Alive or Just Blethering. Next week on Alive or Just Blethering, we're gonna have a special guest in talking about funeral for a friend. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good night. Or if you want to reach out to us at oh, AOGBPod <laughs> and Instagram, Thanks. feel free. We'd love, uh, we'd love a little bit of Do you want me to turn that again or are you just going to leave it in? I'm just going to leave oh, it in. <laughs> podcast. Come and, get, come and slide into our DMs. Tell me how shit I am at fucking outros. Thanks a lot. Night-night.
Good night. Dun, 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 dun.